in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News Today. We are going to be seeing some more rain showers moving through our area today. Good morning, I'm Tom Miller. Good morning, I'm Sally Hernandez. Meteorologist Kristen Curry is here and the roads are already wet. Already wet, already a little slippery, mm. so here's your heads up. You need to factor an extra time. We can't be getting it this morning. It's just too slippery. So we begin with what's happening on radar now. Mainly light and intensity, but again, this is going to wet the streets. It's going to wet the sidewalks. Make sure you've got that raincoat with you because we are going to be tracking even more on the way later today. So this is just the beginning of what is likely going to be a damp and cloudy Thursday. Right now, live look outside from our Iwo Kubota weather camera there in Georgetown. You can see some of the uh, reflectivity there of I-35. Headlights are on, temperature 60 degrees. The temperatures this morning are very mild. Most of us, in fact, sitting in those lower 60s. But today, we won't have much of a warm-up. That being said, it's not going to be cold because we're still sitting in those mild 60s now. So 67 degrees is actually still above average for us but we will be looking at periods of light rain kind of on and off through the day. Coming up in your first morning forecast, this wet weather sticks around today, tomorrow, Saturday, and Christmas Eve. So we'll time out when to expect some of the heaviest rains. There's going to be a few waves here. And your Christmas Day forecast actually looking pretty nice. There's one thing we need to keep an eye on, though. We'll talk more about it here in your first morning forecast. Thank you. And Austin police officers once again facing criminal charges after a grand jury charged Daniel Sanchez with deadly conduct in the shooting death of a South Austin man. Now Sanchez shot and killed Rajin Munising while responding to reports of a man pointing a gun inside his home. APD stands by the officer while the district attorney is calling his actions part of a dangerous pattern. That man's family says it wants to see harsher charges here. KXAN's Brianna Hollis walks us through the complicated case, takes a look at other cases of other officers recently indicted. Officer Daniel Sanchez, who fired the shots that killed Rajan Munasinga, now faces a deadly conduct charge. When Garza took office, he promised to review all police officer-involved shootings. In this case, a grand jury indicted Sanchez. Determined that Officer Sanchez's conduct was unlawful. Austin police released a statement on the contrary, saying Sanchez acted in accordance with his training. Sanchez's attorney added he believes the officer will ultimately be exonerated. While announcing the indictment, the DA also addressed APD's use of force. Part of a larger pattern and practice of conduct that has cost the city of Austin $73 million in settlement payments and resulted in numerous criminal indictments. Earlier this month, DA Garza dropped 17 of 21 indictments related to officers' actions during the 2020 protests and the most recent murder trial for an officer indicted by Garza resulted in a hung jury. Seek justice for Rajan. In this case, the family of Munasinga says they're grateful for this indictment, but want to see more charges as they continue to grieve. Rajan's death impacted us in so many ways. This is what my little granddaughter told me. I want to write down everything Uncle Rajan has told me. At the press conference, District Attorney Garza left immediately after the announcement was done. Mr. Garza, would you take any questions? I wanted to ask him if his office initially pursued a murder charge in this case. I also plan to ask about his confidence in securing a conviction after he recently dropped more than a dozen indictments against other APD officers. We sent those questions to his office after the fact. We're still waiting to hear back and we will let you know if we get a response. Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. 
Now, APD says Officer Sanchez will remain on administrative leave pending the outcome of this indictment. Giving some context to this, the specific charge, one we've talked about with attorneys before, deadly conduct differs from murder or manslaughter, mainly because no one has to actually be hurt or die in this. Attorneys tell us that if a person's actions are enough to put someone in imminent danger, then that can be enough to warrant the charge. A homeless shelter that unexpectedly closed earlier this year is going to open back up later on today. The city of Austin says the shelter is going to help fill a huge gap specifically for women. We're talking about the Salvation Army former building there, now called the 8th Street Shelter. City bought it after the Salvation Army announced that it was going to stop services earlier this year. A large part of our team's responsibility is making sure that our homeless response system has enough units to, to help anybody who's currently experiencing homelessness in their homelessness. And this facility is the first step in that process for us in a lot of ways. It's our first new facility since the marshalling yard. Austin City Council has a lease signed with the Salvation Army for the next year. After that, the lease is up. Austin City Council approved the purchase of the property for $15 million. The shelter will be run by Urban Alchemy, who also operates the Arch next door. This morning, we're tracking the follow after the Colorado Supreme Court ruled to remove Donald Trump from that state's 2024 Republican primary ballot. Trump is accused of engaging in insurrection or rebellion a violation of the U.S. Constitution. Supporters and opponents of the former president now weighing in. I had this morning on the Today Show, Garrett Haik looks at how the historic case against the former president could determine whether he is eligible or for re-election as the 2024 race inches closer. Coming up this morning on Today, I'll have the latest fallout from that dramatic Supreme Court decision in Colorado banning Donald Trump from the state's primary ballot. What other states may have in store for the former president, what the current president is saying, and how this all might actually strengthen him in the Republican primary now getting underway in less than a month. That's all coming up this morning on Today. And a bond hearing in Maynard after a man is accused of murdering another man in a parking lot. Walmart, the decision the judge reached. Plus, we're getting a look at some court documents that give us a better picture of what happened the night a suspect opened fire on 6th Street. Welcome back, everyone. A judge reduced the bond for a man accused of murdering another man in the Walmart parking lot in Maynard. Police say Juan Acuna Guana shot and killed Luis Frias Hernandez last Thursday. But Acuna Guana's attorney says the shooting was justified. They are arguing that he was protecting himself and his girlfriend. His bond reduced from $250,000 down to $50,000. Akuna Gowana faces a first-degree murder charge. Ten Americans are back in the U.S. this morning after the U.S. government says Venezuela wrongfully detained them. It's all part of a prisoner swap deal between the two countries. Six landing in San Antonio, as you see right there. And clearly happy as they hug people that they were back home. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, free at last. Uh, very emotional, exciting, grateful. Um, so much gratitude for, for the moment, for the United States of America, for, for all of you, and, and for the, the opportunity to come home. I want peaceful economic relations, peaceful diplomatic relations, peaceful relations between the both countries that are respectful, I want Venezuelans, people from this country to go to Venezuela and them to come here and visit. You know, nothing, no one can get anything out of this through anger, through hatred. I, I, if I were to come out of here filled with hate, 
I would have completely failed at the major test of my life. The U.S. released an ally of the president of Venezuela, and Venezuela released the 10 Americans. Still had a program in Texas designed to keep you safe. What a new report is revealing about the state's iWatch safety program. Signing day was a successful one for Texas football. We'll introduce you to the class of 2024, who all signed on signing day later in sports. Keep it here. Good morning, everyone. A beautiful live look outside to start off your Thursday, December 21st. It is a wet start to your morning. So we're going to talk to Kristen for the latest on just how long that rain is going to last. Uh, Christmas is just four days away. And if you've been spending big on presents and getting a little too close to your budget, <laughs> we understand. Yeah. Today has some inspiration for you this morning, though, with for gifts that are all full of heart and don't break the bank. So today called DIY Pro Shannon Doherty. And she says, even if you're not a crafter, it's the personal touch that makes it special. So many times I've been making crafts with my kids. And I said, oh, I want this to turn out perfect. And it doesn't, but then it turns out so like cute or funny. And there's such a story behind it that that's really all that matters. Ahead on today this morning, another way to save why you might want to rethink regifting and how you can do that without feeling the guilt. I think I'm there. I've reached the point. <laughs> no yeah. guilt. I'm yeah, okay. Yeah, no guilt. No guilt. You are an expert crafter. Yes. Do you have any suggestions for like a great crafty Christmas um, gift? I would say avoid glitter because glitter is very <laughs> polarizing to people as I've learned. Yeah. It's a trigger for some. Yeah, oh. um, and I would say as long as you're doing it last minute, it's the thought that counts, it's yeah. the effort. I've definitely given my fair share of handmade gifts, specifically to mom, because she right. appreciates them the most, it Aww. seems, and dad too, but uh, I love it. I think it's yeah. a great gift, great gift. Let me show you what's going on outside. Today is definitely gonna be one of those inside crafting kind of days with the kids. I know a lot of students are now on winter break, so mom and dad prepare, because it's probably gonna be a long day inside. We've got on and off rain expected through our Thursday right now even some light rain wetting the streets in and around the Austin Metro. Clearly it's not super heavy. Some pockets of moderate rain here and there out towards eastern Travis County up through Pflugerville. But in general, we're not worried about much. Not yet. We still have this Pacific storm offshore. This thing has been hanging out, taking its sweet time, rolling south down the west coast. Eventually it'll get kicked east and open up uh, close to us. But I'll tell you, this morning, I would be sure to grab that raincoat. Even as I was walking in, I'm thinking, hey, this is some good-looking rain. So we will be wet at times today. It's not going to be raining every hour through the day, but we do expect periods of wet weather. So just to be safe, keep the raincoat umbrella within arm's reach. Temperatures only warming to the upper 60s, but because we're so mild now, it's not going to be cold. It's just a mild and wet day. Here's what I mean. Putting this into motion, still tracking spotty rain through the morning through the afternoon today and as far as tomorrow goes I'm still expecting some of this rain to linger into tomorrow morning, but it does look like things get a touch drier after this around tomorrow afternoon. So your Friday night plans 
probably not going to get washed out. However, your Saturday night plans might. Saturday night into Sunday is when we're going to be looking at another wave here of that rainfall. So three quarters of an inch to about an inch and three quarters here, lesser amounts as you go west and south. But this is going to be a four day stretch of on and off wet weather. Temperatures will stay in the upper 60s through Saturday. Brief warm up here to 72 on Christmas Eve. I'm thinking Christmas Eve is probably going to be the day where we see more rain than any other day. But then a cold front gets dragged through the area late in the day on Sunday, dries us out completely. Christmas Day into Tuesday and Wednesday, temperatures a little cooler there in the lower 60s and avoiding a freeze with lows in the 40s, 50s and low 60s. Thank you, Kristen. It has been more than two weeks since the shooting spree in Austin and San Antonio left six people dead. As KXN investigator Matt Grant reports, the suspect was known to law enforcement, but may not have been on the radar of intelligence analysts tasked with trying to prevent that very thing happening. Almost immediately, the suspect opens fire. At the time, police didn't know the person shooting was Shane James, the suspect connected to six murders that day. I mean, obviously now we know that he was a very serious threat and was involved in a number of incidents that nobody knew at the time. The Bear County Sheriff's Office was aware James had mental health problems and a record that included domestic violence and assault. Last year, he cut off his ankle monitor and was considered a fugitive. It's unclear if these red flags put him on the radar of analysts tasked with preventing the next mass shooting. Law enforcement can't stop the bad guys if they don't know who they are. With the help of Chuck Norris, Governor Greg Abbott has sought to promote and expand the state's suspicious activity reporting system, iWatch Texas, run by the Texas Department of Public Safety. It is everyone's responsibility to keep Texas safe. Anonymous tips funnel into more than a half dozen fusion centers across the state, staffed with local, state, and federal law enforcement. After the mass shooting in Uvalde, the governor sent this letter calling on DPS, the Texas Education Agency, and the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board to make iWatch widely known and easily accessible. But those education agencies could only point to a single memo promoting the program to district staff, like this one the TEA sent in August 2022. TEA said it mentioned the program in a monthly call with superintendents last August and discussed the program during regional site visits. Now, new data shows while iWatch tips overall are the lowest since 2019, this year seen the highest number of school-related tips since 2018, the year the mobile app was launched. I think that this data potentially is indicative of the messaging, the consistent messaging um, that has been pushed nationally and in our state. If you see something, say something, and that's a good thing. Kathy Martinez-Prather is director of the Texas School Safety Center at Texas State University. She says it takes time to create a culture of vigilance, but cautions the numbers lack context because we don't know how many tips actually lead to an arrest. One of the most important things that um, we're trying to push is that districts don't become complacent. But it's also something that districts can't do alone. This requires communities getting involved and speaking up as well. We were met with a circle of confusion trying to get answers about whether Shane James was ever reported to iWatch. A spokesperson for the Bear County Sheriff's Office, the lead agency in the case, told me they don't know what iWatch is. They referred us to San Antonio Police, which manages the Southwest Texas Fusion Center. But they referred us to DPS, who referred us back to the investigating agencies. Austin police did not respond. Matt Grant kicks in and investigates.
In a statement, the governor's office called iWatch critical, saying DPS considers every tip submitted a success because those reports can reveal threat patterns uh, or results in an early in intervention. The governor's office says it will continue to work with the legislature to expand community and school safety initiatives. Last year, DPS told us it doesn't track the number of arrests made from iWatch tips. We did ask if that's still the case, but we're waiting to hear back. Still trying to get an answer, but the governor's office points to three examples of iWatch tips that it considers a success. So let's go back to two weeks ago. School districts across the state were emailed bomb threats. The tips helped identify possible connections to other states. October 1st, another one, a tip was sent in from law enforcement about a school shooting threat to Uvalde High School and Texas A&M University. That led to a suspect out of state who was federally indicted last month for making interstate threats. September 2021, a tip was sent in about someone making threats in the chat room. Law enforcement was able to trace the user to a city near Corpus Christi and discovered the suspect shot and killed his family. He died by suicide when officers got there. Investigators found a large quantity of firearms and ammo and say there was evidence that he was planning a school shooting that very day. The family of a man who died after a fuel truck hit him at Austin's airport is now suing. A truck hit and killed Aviation Department employee Michael Wilson on October 31st, Halloween. Happened near a service road that goes by the tarmac. In that lawsuit, the 68-year-old's family names the driver of the fuel truck and accuses his employer, Men's Eyes Aviation, of negligence. APD and the Occupational Safety and Health Administration still investigating. A spokesperson for Men's Eyes Aviation told KXAN that they could not comment because of that ongoing investigation. The plaintiffs are seeking at least a million dollars in damages. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning. The foundation of any top-tier program is a top-tier recruiting class, and the Longhorns have recruited quite well over the years. That was on display once again on signing day. The Longhorns will welcome uh, several newcomers. Two of them are transfers, including LBJ alum Andrew McCuba from Clemson and former University of Houston receiver Matthew Golden. The others are straight from high school so far, including stars like defensive lineman Colin Simmons, fresh off a state championship at Duncanville. Xavier Filsami, a five-star defensive back out of McKinney. Kobe Black out of Waco Connolly is a four-star recruit who committed to Texas last week. Five-star receiver Ryan Wingo. Out of St. Louis, four-star tight end Jordan Washington out of Langham Creek in Houston and four-star quarterback Trey Owens out of Cypher in Cyprus, to name a few. Safe to say, head coach Steve Sarkeesian, pretty excited about this class. These are really good young men, and um, I think they fit in our culture. And I want to credit our current players for the job they did in help recruiting these guys and, and getting this class here. Um, I say it every year. Every coach gets up, and, and I've never heard a coach get up and not be excited about his signing class, okay? So, um, but but I'm, I am excited about this class. I think there's a lot of depth to it. I think there's a lot of versatility to this class and excited about this group of guys because I think they're made of the right stuff. Uh, to come into our program and be successful. Several players at Westlake signed their letters of intent to play at the next level. This class has won a lot of games and have played a lot of good football over the years, so it's no surprise that several of them will continue their careers. Running back Jack Kaiser is headed to West Point. He'll play for Army. Jake Helm signed with Air Force. Paxton Land signed with Texas A&M. Tyler Knapp signed with Cal. Spencer Barnett signed with Colorado State. And Jonathan Kahn will play 
at Trinity University. Always a special day with a lot of emotions. Both of my parents went to A&M, so I mean, I've kind of been raised in maroon and white and I mean, gone to games for my entire life. So I mean, it's been really cool to just kind of have this dream realized and I mean, I'm I'm super excited to be up going to College Station. I wouldn't have this opportunity without football, but I think it'll create a bunch of new doors for me. And uh, I mean, it's really one of the coolest things in the world to go to uh, West Point. So, I mean, it's just I'm just blessed to even have this opportunity to attend. It's like an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Crockett had a winning season and a 5-2 and two record in district, and they got to celebrate a player heading to the Division I level. Cameron Dickey, a regular all-district player for the Cougars, will head to Lubbock to play for Texas Tech. And putting the pen to paper, he says, was a feeling he'll never forget. Oh, man, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, uh, it's just like I got hit, hit by a semi-truck. It's like, dang, this is really happening. Got hit by reality. Like, this going to be my life. So uh, I'm really excited and ready for it, ready for it. So can't wait for it to come any quicker. There's plenty more signing day coverage over on KXAN.com. Also on KXAN.com, more information on Austin FC as they release their schedule Wednesday for the 2024 season, which begins in February. And finally, the UT women's basketball team remains undefeated after beating UT Rio Grande Valley 104-51 to improve to 12-0 on the season. That does it for sports. Let's go back over to you. Jonathan, thank you. Why you are going to want to be on high alert when parking your car at the airport, especially this holiday season.